In the 11th episode of the What's Cooking podcast, we bring on a man named Grant Griffin. He has been a basketball teammate of mine for a very long time. He has since moved on to the real estate industry. We have some great conversations today. Let's have a listen. Here we go. back with another guest episode today. Joining me is a man that I've known for a long time. We've been friends. We've been teammates. He was a point guard for the Kennedy Cougars. He is now taking his talents to the real estate industry. Ladies and gentlemen, Grant Griffin. Thank you. Thank you. Man, this has been a, an adventure trying to schedule a time, but we got one down. We're, we're here. We're balling. We're at the Scobin building. I appreciate the hospitality. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Very nice spot here. But um, give us uh, just a little quick, uh, how have you been for people that don't know? Uh, how's life going for you lately? What's been, uh, what's been new with you? It's been good, man. You know, just working away a little bit different than going to school all the time, you know. Uh, working Monday through Sunday as a real estate agent, you know, right. seven days a week. It can get a little bit much at some time. I bet, but, yeah. Um, it's been good. Everything's been good. And, um, yeah, living life. Love it, man. So one of the things I'm wondering is since you're a real estate guy, you're into real estate. Yeah. Do you have your own place right now? What's your What's your living situation? So when I was 19, I dropped out of... I shouldn't say I should say dropped out of school. I went to U and I for a semester. Okay. Uh, came back from U and I and actually used my first time home buyer program to buy a fourplex. Oh, nice. So I bought a fourplex in Marion with the help of my parents, obviously a co-sign because I didn't have all the credit in the world. Um, but lived there for two years, rented the three units and lived in one. Um, and then actually just last month I bought a place of my own. So I'm over on the Northwest side of Cedar Rapids cool. now. So that's yeah. awesome. Yep. And do you still have that first place or do you sell that off? To I it? still have that. Yep. I oh, think cool. my goal is to kind of build investment properties. So, awesome. uh, fourplex was a great way to start for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. And, um, it's kind of interesting cause I've always been told by my family, like, you should try to buy over renting because like if you right. rent, you're just like throwing money away and stuff. But exactly. then. I graduate this May and I come into like one of the worst real estate market situations that we've ever seen with like mortgage rates and everything. So right. I'm actually renting for the time being, but uh, eventually I would like to go the, the ownership route. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so before we get any deeper into the current day and real estate type of conversations, we're going to go chronological like always. Uh, we're going to take it back to when Grant and I first met and some of the experiences and memories we've had over the years. So uh, we'll, we'll get it started here. Were, uh, were you born in Cedar Rapids? Yep, born and raised. Awesome. Um, my entire life lived over on the northeast side. Uh, my parents are not from the area, but um, mom's from Atkins, dad is from Elkater, so they, they met, and uh, I was born in Cedar Rapids. Awesome, yeah. dude. Have you heard of the song called Cedar Rapids Won't Let You Down? No. <laughs> I'd love to hear it, though. Can you okay. sing it for me? Yeah, well... <laughs> It's more of a rap. It's more of a rap. Oh, sure. So sure. I think I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you after the conversation. Yeah. I, I don't want to do it any injustice, but uh, it's kind of a tradition I have with all my guests that are from Cedar Rapids. It's, it's a really funny song that um, 
just kind of like represents for the city and they, they make a lot of references to like uh, ghetto high V and like a bunch of different <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So yep. they're talking about like Collins Community Credit Union and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's hilarious. I'll send it to you. Awesome. But, uh, um, so the first time I ever remember meeting you, I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was definitely Junior Cougars basketball, but I, if I had to guess, it was when I was in third grade. I think you were in second grade. You might Correct. have played up onto our third grade Correct. team. Correct, yep. And so actually when I was in kindergarten, I, I actually am the same age as you. Oh. And was held back in kindergarten. Okay. Or went to AK, you know, so I had that gap year. Yeah, yeah. So I was always a weird age. So I started <laughs> basketball a little bit sooner than the rest of my friends because cool. I was the age that allowed me to, I guess. So yeah, I definitely played with you. And Interesting. Your grade quite a bit. Yeah. So um, we started out that year with um, one of my friend's dads was the coach, and then in the middle of the year, we had like a coaching change. I don't know if it was, I think it was like some of the parents weren't um, exactly fond of the way of the, the coaching style of sure, the coach, so sure. then my dad was kind of like thrown in as the coach. You were on that team, I right? was, okay, I was, cool. and I can't remember. It was your dad and, oh, I can't remember who else. I think there it was, was one more, wasn't there? Mike Gallagher's dad. That's yeah. right, yep. yep, that's right. So, yep. yeah, good combo there, and uh, then, uh, let's see, so that was third grade for me, second grade for you. Um, I don't think after that, did you end up playing with your grade the rest of Junior Cougars? You so I did. When, like I said, when my kids my age got to the age where they could get into the, you know, the club yeah. sports and things like that, <laughs> then I went down to my oh, okay, age. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was over, always a year younger in the grade, um, but always the same age as the people above me. That's so. interesting because I had had a similar path because when I was in second grade, I played up on a third grade team and I was with like Matt Burst and a couple other guys. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that was, that was kind of similar for me. And then I kind of joined back with my age group, but, um, third grade was junior Cougars for me. Fourth grade, me and my friend Jonah were, um, Considering going out for Junior Cougars, we ended up deciding to go to Cedar Rapids Rush. Yeah. And uh, I am I know you're familiar with uh, the whole Rush program and everything. Absolutely. So um, when were, was the first year that you decided to join Rush? And how what was like the decision-making process for you there? Sure. So I think it kind of went back to parents not being so fond of the coaches. <laughs> or yeah. more or less, you know, there was a coach's son on the team or however, however it went down. Um, but I think we decided to get out of the... Or I think it was we wanted to travel more. Yeah, I that's think, true. Because I think Rush was more of a travel team Absolutely. than Junior Cougars. Yeah. Um, so there was a coach, and you actually played for the team. And so all of us Junior Cougars kids, we went to the game and watched him coach and watch you guys play. And then we kind of decided, okay, yeah, maybe we'll join that team. So I want to say it was my fifth grade year. Okay, yeah. Or, yeah, it would have been fourth or fifth grade year uh, that I started playing for Rush. So yeah. I definitely agree that it was more of a travel type of focused um, thing because Junior Cougars, we kind of just like stayed in our little pocket on the east right. side of Iowa. And right. Rush, I think the furthest I've gone is like Omaha to play with them. I think we definitely played in Des Moines a couple times a year. We would stay in a hotel. And Best time, like, man. <laughs> Rush, oh, there's nothing better than staying in a hotel with Dude, all your buddies when you're young. With the pool and we man. would be playing sharks and minnows in we there. We remember we'd go to the Drury. Yeah. go to the Drury Inn and they yep. had all the popcorn in the world. Oh, Dude. I tell you what, Drury has the best oatmeal to this day. <laughs> they do. I, I'm serious about that. So me and Jonah and Carson and Luke Martin would be playing on the computers in the lobby. Yeah. We'd, be, we'd be playing Bloons Tower Defense. <laughs> we'd be playing Happy Wheels and like all these crazy games. Yeah. Just like going crazy. And the rest of us were probably running all over the hotel, <laughs> getting caught. And just yeah. Too funny. Good it times, was, man. Yeah. 
it was chaos, but we loved it. Um, so you joined the rush and I think at that time was like the rush started out as, um, just one age group. It was like mostly focused towards my age group. And then Bo, Bo Nunemaker like played up with us yep, and, and yep. Carson and everything. And then there was a certain point where we got so many guys that we split into like my age and then the And I think lower that's age. when my junior Cougar team came into the program oh, okay. because then we split it up thinking that there'd be enough for each team. Yeah, so yeah, that would make sense. That's right. Yep. And I believe we practiced most part like all together. Correct. And then we yep. would just split off our games and stuff. Because it always got interesting because there was only two coaches for both teams. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you'd have the assistant coach, Bonwell would be coaching, <laughs> sometimes it'd be Nunamaker. So yeah. That, yeah, that's funny how that yeah. works out. And I wanted to mention just like some of the guys we had, um, mostly Kennedy kids, I would say. But sure. It was always interesting to me that we would go play, um, before we split into these two different age groups, we would go play tournaments in North Lynn a ton. Yeah. And I was like, why Why are we always going to Northland? Like, what's the connection there? Sure. And then eventually um, we have Jake Hilmer join your guys' uh, rush team. I was like, okay, I understand you, uh, why we're going there. There's this kid that and plays. Then, and then all of a sudden the younger <laughs> team's better than the older team. <laughs> like, crazy how that works, man. Yeah, Jake oh, was an absolute stud. Man. I remember him playing up onto our team one time and... There was a game that we were playing at the Sports Zone in Hiawatha where that... Yep, the soccer field used yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. So we got sent into overtime. First possession of overtime. For whatever reason, it was a sudden death. So first team to score was... Right. He goes in and, like, drives up and, like, goes up for a layup and, like, wraps around and finishes on the other side. And he didn't know it was sudden death, so he just starts running back on defense. And everyone's like... he just like, won the game. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even know. And everyone's, like, mobbing him. It was That's crazy. Hilarious. And but, that was probably, what, sixth grade he's doing that? Yeah. Just nuts. Not even. I don't know, dude. An athlete. He is different, man. And he did some great things in high school and um, great athlete, great kid. I believe he's at Upper Iowa now. So yeah, absolutely. Crazy, man. But um, So I was on Rush for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Then seventh grade, you have uh, middle school basketball starting to come into the conversation there. So I ended up leaving Rush at that point and going to play middle school. Uh, I'm curious to know if you played both or did you focus on one over the other? Yeah, so I think when middle school basketball started, it was obviously a different season. Um, so we would start, and I want to say it was, it was probably high school, same time as high school started. But then we started playing the summer uh, with Rush. And so each summer we'd get done with, you know, middle school ball and then we'd go and travel and do whatever else on the weekends. Yeah. Um, so at that point we were probably only, probably only practicing like once or twice a week. And then we'd go play on the weekend, and then the summer it was all the time. I felt like okay, yeah. Um, but we kind of played around baseball too because the CR oh, Reds. Yeah, you know true. how Dan used to coach for them too, and Kanzen and all those boys. Yeah, that's so right. We always kind of scheduled it around baseball as well. Nice. So. Yeah, I wasn't big into baseball, but I do know that um, the rush and the the baseball kind of overlapped a little bit there. Yeah, so. absolutely. A lot of connections there. So. Um, you went to, was it Harding that you went to? So actually I went to Taft. Taft, okay. So in elementary school I went to Jackson and I was with a lot of the kids um, that ended up going to Jeff, just being on the okay. west side of yeah. yeah. Um, well my fifth grade year they changed the school district so I was always supposed to go to Franklin. Because we kind of, our parents kind of live in the same neighborhood. Yeah, close. Um, so 
I was supposed to go to Franklin, then they switched it, so I went to Taft. That's right. And when I went to Taft, I was with even more of these Jefferson people, so created a lot of bonds with the West Siders. Yeah, you know? that's right. Um, and then obviously it got a little different when I got to high school, but mm-hmm. yeah, I ended up going to Taft for three years. And that reminds me because um, I was like one of the last classes that actually went to Franklin from right. that neighborhood because my next door neighbor growing up was Grant Borchard. Sure, if you know him. Yeah. So. And you went to Taft too? No, I went to Franklin, and then. Grant went to Taft. Right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. saying. Right, yep, cool. yep. So, that was interesting. If I would have just been one more year, it could have been completely different, man. I know yeah. it. And really, it's like, or I guess Franklin's a little bit different. Harding and Taft are like the same school, you know? They just looked exactly yeah, the same. Yes, with the, the but, domes and everything. Right, yeah. yeah. Same construction, so. Right. Um, do you have any, <clears throat> what do you remember most about middle school basketball? Like, how it was, at least in my experience, it was a lot more of um kind of just like playful, uh, kind of less serious than Rush. I, it's hard to replicate the energy and like the, the strict environment of Rush, but like right. what stands out to you when you think back to like teammates and coaches and stuff from middle school? What? It was always a change for me to play middle school ball because my whole life we played with Kennedy kids. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then when the school district changed, all of a sudden I was playing with a lot of Jeff guys. <laughs> True, yeah. Um, so that was a big change because I think we had four or five point guards <laughs> on our A team in middle school. Jeez. It was like me, Blaze Bozak, Willie Guy. Okay, I'm yeah. probably forgetting a few, obviously, but we were just a team full of quick little short, you know, point guards. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit of a change from that perspective. Yeah, but. true. Absolutely. Um, so middle school, you play for two years. Then we get to the good stuff. We get to Kennedy High School. No longer junior Cougs. We are the actual Cougs. You betcha. <laughs> um, you come into high school. If I remember correctly, you played sophomore your freshman year. Right. And um, that was an interesting team. We had... Uh, it was indeed. We had, because <clears throat> I remember playing freshman, and there was a freshman team that had one coach, and there was a different freshman team. There's two of them. And then you come together, and you combine for sophomore. Then you bring up you, and I think it was Zach Drehos came up Correct. too, right? Correct, yep. So it's just like a combination of like people from all different places. We didn't, we didn't like necessarily have a great chemistry right away, but um, Absolutely. we had a lot of talent there, and we had a lot of players. And um, just get to get your opinion on like some of the – I think um, – Early in that season, we did the trip to Spirit Lake. Do you yes. remember that? Yep. And we, we bussed like all the way across the state and played. And yep. it was just like a, a crazy memory. And do you remember, um, I feel like we had some sort of like uh, trash talking with um, some, I was like Ryan Creener was playing for some team. Yes, there. yeah. And we were like, we yeah. were like, someone got into it. It was like Cordell Pemsel or something yes. was there too. And oh we were like getting into sakes. it with them. That's and I was hilarious. Like, I didn't. We didn't know at the time, but like those are two future Hawkeyes that we were like getting into it with. And right. That was like a crazy intro to sophomore year. But that was... whole trip was <laughs> insane yeah. because I was a freshman at the time, and it was me and Zach came to play with the sophomores in Spirit Lake. Yeah, yeah. So we were on the bus. And we we're sitting right next to the coaches in the front row. You know, okay. freshmen sitting in the front. <laughs> well, I'll never forget Matt Burst, Malik Haynes, those yep. guys. They said, "Bring a freshman back to the bus, to the back of the bus." <laughs> Man, I tell you what, if there's not hazing in high school, I don't know what that was because I got hazed. Oh, but geez. no, they're good guys. And I just that's a vivid memory from that trip is going to the back of the bus with those boys. I bet, I bet. And what I'll remember a lot is staying in the house that time, and we like. Um, I think sophomores had one house, and like varsity had one house, and there was like a top floor and a bottom floor. 
and we were me and like a couple other guys were on the top floor and we we're like all right it's we're gonna probably head to bed here it's getting getting to be late and T-Ron's like, no, I don't sleep. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> no, I was he like, doesn't. wait, what do you mean? He's like, no, I just don't sleep. <laughs> so T-Ron's like up playing games on his phone and just like doing random stuff. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean you don't sleep? I'm almost positive I slept underneath a bed on that trip. <laughs> I don't think me or Zach got any sort of comfortable seating oh. in that house. But, oh, man, T-Ron was up. He was up the entire night. Yeah, I don't um, understand that, man. That's and too funny. The, the ride coming back home was the, the day of the Big Ten championship game. Right. Iowa versus Michigan State. Right. We had everybody watching on their phones and stuff. But, yeah, that was wild. That was a good time. Good memory. Yeah. And um, so then sophomore year, um, we, we keep playing. We, we come through. I didn't actually get much time this year. I was kind of more of a, a garbage time player at this point. But um, I did – get in on the court the time that you had your your crossover and you dr- absolutely <laughs> dropped this kid the film ends up making it up on Ble- bleacher report twitter page so um what do you remember from that moment just like in the in the in your sense in the game did you realize like how great of a moment that was at the time or well it, no you know it was just <laughs> one of those things where you come down the court like any other time and i crossed over i think i was heading to the middle and i crossed back over to my right and I think I had a switch, so it was a bigger guy that was on me, a taller guy. Okay. I think he just lost his footing or <laughs> tweaked his ankle or something, you know, but he fell hard. <laughs> and obviously, the, um, Kennedy records all the games yeah. for the scouting and everything, yeah. so we had that had that video, and I think I posted it on my huddle. I okay. posted it somewhere, and yeah. I woke up the next morning, and I saw it was posted on Bleacher Report and had like 35,000 views. Oh. So I go downstairs, I'm like, Mom, I want Bleacher Report. <laughs> she said, What? <laughs> So sure enough, pull it up. But I do remember, because Kai Jenkins was on the team too, yeah. and I, right when I crossed over, a foul was called. Yeah, that's right. It was an off-ball foul. <laughs> um, and I was so mad because everybody was in the comments, you know, just like, you didn't even shoot it. You know, like, what he, all he did was cross him over. I mean, it was like a four-second clip, you know. Um, so I blame Kai for me not going oh. even more famous because that should have gone in. I know, man. <laughs> And I'm I'm actually kind of pissed because I I was in the game like sophomore year I didn't play much but I somehow for whatever reason I was in the game at that point. Sure. I think I I like cut through the lane and I wasn't open so I like turned around and started to rotate and go backside and I, I my head was turned I never saw the play live yeah. I had to see the replay but you could see the guys on the bench were just like oh, standing. Up. AJ Davis gets up and he <laughs> turned it around. Oh man, that was that was funny. Oh, it was insane, man. Too funny. Oh. <laughs> so. That, those are the most uh, most of the memories from sophomore year for me. Do you do you have any other off the top of your head like sophomore playing up uh, any other memories that stand out for you? I just remember Coach Lon, man. <laughs> oh yeah, he was an animal. He he <laughs> was one of the most competitive guys that I've ever had the chance to be coached by. I yeah. guess um, he's right behind McCallan on intensity <laughs> too, man. He he was a good coach though, good guy, good family. Absolutely, um, a lot of respect for Lon. He, I think he has more of a football background, but just like as far as a coach, you can tell like the the passion and stuff. Yeah. He would never let there be a silent moment on the court. He'd always be given instructions like, "All right, here we go. Yeah, got to just yep. like." So there's this game sophomore year. I think um, if it was my sophomore year or your sophomore year, but um, we had a Saturday morning practice where the Saturday morning practices where we kind of just like make it a little more fun, like have some games right. and stuff. 
coaches sometimes come in and play with us right. too. Yep. So Lon comes in, he turns his hat around. He's like, I'm going to show you how to play defense today or something. He comes in. He tears his hamstrings. It, 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 there's a deflection. The ball starts going out of bounds. He's like running for the ball to save it out of bounds and like has this leg injury. He's on the ground. And yeah. It's like, oh, man. And so it turns out he has some leg injury. He's on crutches for a while. And for every single game that I remember sophomore year, we didn't even have a seat on the bench for Lon because he's just standing the whole time. Right. So I was like, okay, he's on crutches. He just had a bad injury. This is going to be the first game he's actually going to sit down, and we're going to have Lon sitting. And we'll, <laughs> well, this will be interesting because I've never seen that. Right. We get to the game. They clear off a spot on the bench. They remove some chairs so he has room to stand with his crutches <laughs> the whole game. And he's like, all right, here we go. Just like never missed a beat. Has the like, crutches underneath his armpits. Yep. And he's still clapping and yelling. Just nothing changed. That man but has the dedication he does. that I've never seen. And it's crazy. He does. Oh, man. man. <laughs> all right. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it for our, my sophomore year. Um, Obviously, my, my junior year was the year that we made the deep playoff run at State. Yeah. And we had that crazy class in front of us. And I've talked about it on the podcast a little bit already. But um, I think at the time that we went off to State, you guys made the trip with us, right? To Correct. To Des Moines and everything. Yep. Yeah. So that was kind of cool for you guys to be able to kind of experience that along with us. Um, what was your um, sophomore year? Because you had the same coaching staff that next year again, right? Correct. So freshman year, I played up sophomore with you. Yeah. And then sophomore to junior year, I didn't go up to varsity. I think I stayed with my group of guys. That's right, yeah. Um, which was really different because it's not too often in high school that you have the same coach, unless you're on varsity for four yeah, years or something, yeah, that you yeah. have the same coach for two years in a row. Um, big change, but I think I took more of a captain role, you okay. know, now that I was on the team before and whatnot, yeah, but yeah. Um, the other guys are probably laughing who are read, or listening <laughs> to this or it's like, what the hell is he talking about? But, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. But traveling the state was an awesome experience. Um, it's too bad that we couldn't get back there my last two years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but big motiv- motivation, you know, going to Des Moines and staying in the hotel with everybody. It's just a blast. You got to miss a few days of school. Oh, for sure. I was all for that at the time. You know, it was, it was super fun experience. It's too bad we couldn't go farther, but yeah. And we actually got the school a half day to get early dismissal. So they could come watch us. There's like, you're welcome. Yeah. No kidding. Right. That's awesome. So, um, yeah. And as far as not getting playing time, I think it's for a good reason because that roster was stacked. Our, it was. our junior, my junior year, your sophomore year. So um, we had so many like that senior class. They just had, they were so connected and they came in and like they took it right from the jump and uh, one of the best, most successful teams I've been a part of. So Absolutely, that's pretty awesome. Um, things get a little interesting my senior year. Um, when you come up your junior year, you play varsity. I think you started that whole year, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. And so. What I remember about that year starting out is we had a huge senior class to start. Yeah. Like me and like probably 10 or 15 other guys. Yeah. That, oh, that's right. Yeah. And we take the, the poster with all the seniors. We take a poster picture. Two guys quit. And then a week later, like another guy quits. And like people are just starting to head out the door. Drop it like flies. <laughs> <laughs> so they call us back in and they say, guys, we've had so many people quit. We're just going to retake the poster photo sure. with the guys that come sure. back. We come back and do it a second time, and then later that season, more people quit. We had <laughs> people get kicked off the team, yep, and it's yep. like, my goodness. But it was just so much chaos going on that year, and 
I'm wondering, like, how, how did you try to keep the chemistry together with the guys you're playing with? Obviously, the lineup was probably changing a bunch for you right. guys. And, like, how are you trying to stay focused through all that? Well, I got to be honest. I think Jackson Foley was a big part of that, you know, following in his footsteps That's and true, yeah. playing with him and watching him and his work, work ethic, you know. <laughs> Um, always trying to keep up with him because he was the number one guy, you know. Absolutely. So, um, I don't know. It was just – it was different to have people drop like that. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like you still had that good core group of people who uh, wanted to win and yeah. take the team to state. So I completely agree. And Jackson has been a great leader for my class the whole way through. Absolutely. I got to, I got to play with him most of the season my freshman year. And then I think at the end of our freshman year, Jackson played up to sophomore. So – I've I've gotten to see uh, just like the leadership and the, the mentality that he has to yeah. attack the game, so that's been great. Good and, kid too. He's uh, awesome. Oh, a great kid. He's he's also he joined uh, Jake Hilmer up at uh, Upper Iowa. So yeah, that's right. Great great combo there. Oh man. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, our senior year, um, I didn't really play much. I got in on senior night, uh, missed a few shots, unfortunately. But yeah, that's uh that's how I went out and played JV a ton, so that was fun. But um. When we leave, I go off to college, um, kind of a, a similar to you from freshman to sophomore year. You're running it back with the same guys, right. you have the same coaches. Right. Um, I don't have a, a ton of a memory of how you guys played. I think I made it back for like one game sure. your senior year. But um, how, how did that go with your class being all together and you going for the senior year? So every year was different at Kennedy basketball. <laughs> um, it seemed like every year there was a new kid who joined the team, kids yeah. who transferred, um, a coaching change, whether it be assistant coaches or uh, whatnot. But... Um, I think the biggest change was just the other people. You know, we had some guys from Linmar come over. Uh, Jack Wetzel. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Jack came. I think he came my sophomore year, and then Tyler came my senior year. Okay. Um, which was big for the program. I thought you know he was a good player, and obviously he's out playing D one ball now. Okay. Um, but it was a little bit different because we didn't. Our biggest guy was our point guard. Really? Tyler was our tallest guy at the time, I believe. I'd wow. have to fact check that. But he was so good with the ball that, you know, you had to have him on the point. Okay. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a change and kind of a scare to a, you know, senior point guard who thinks, you know, their spot is locked in. <laughs> True, yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it was it was a fun year. I think we could have done a lot better than we actually did. Yeah. Um, but I think the team chemistry was a little low at that time, too. You know, you, okay, you stick yeah. with these guys for three, four years, and then you add a couple new ones, and, you know, just kind of have to change the way you play or know your role a little bit better or differently than you did the last couple of years. Absolutely, so. yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on the point that uh, Kennedy basketball, We I don't remember in my time ever us having, like, a true center, like right. a, like back to the basket type of, like, big guy. It was always we different. Would, we would have a stretch five, like, um, Drake Brewster was, yeah. like, our tallest, our biggest guy. He, and he was a hell of a point guard. Yeah, he could handle, he could yeah. point forward and everything. So it's, like, I don't know if that's just, like, the kids that we had in the program or if that's, like, McCowan wants us to be like that. But right. that's just how it always turned out. So uh, we made the most of what we had. And exactly. I, I think that was our identity, so... Um, so there you go. There's there's Kennedy basketball, uh, a different adventure every year, but uh, great great to be a part of it. A lot of memories, a lot of fun times. Um, you graduate from Kennedy. Um, you just mentioned earlier on that um, you tried one semester at college. Um, 
did you have so real estate in the back of your mind as like at the at the end of high school as you're going off to college or like how did that kind of uh, become an option for you so i think it was either my junior or senior year of high school i actually did a job shadow with jason Vestwebers, who i work with now nice uh did a job shadow and kind of fell in love with it liked a lot of what he was doing i liked the flexibility and schedule um being your own boss was a big thing for me there you go um so i kind of made this deal with my mom she wanted me to go to school and have that you know big college experience yeah so we made a deal that if i didn't like it after the first semester that i could come back home and do real estate so i went to you and i had an awesome time and a lot of awesome people um super happy i went there actually but came back didn't like it Came back after winter break and started working at high property management for okay. a while, doing like maintenance technician type stuff. Nice. Um, and then got into real estate. So cool. that's kind of how that all happened. I awesome. Suppose. Yeah. So um, one thing I'll throw in here is just like, as I as I went through college, and obviously we got hit with uh, Corona my junior year of college. So sure. I like everything. Everyone that people told me what college was like the experiences they had, I never really had like sure. the full college thing. Cause it just got changed and like shifted and so much. So yeah, absolutely. that kind of opened my eyes though to like with online learning and like uh, real estate and like all these different paths that like college isn't as much of a requirement as it once was. I think that um, a lot of people will get hung up on, you gotta, you gotta get your degree. You gotta check all the boxes and take the traditional route. But um, there's so much proof out there that that's really not the, the only path that, to success. And so right. I, I hope that everyone listening is just aware that um, you have other options and there's plenty of other choices for you. So, Right. Um, well, I think it's totally based on the person too. Exactly. You know, yeah. if you're coming out of high school and you know yourself and you know you're not a good student, maybe it's time to go look at something else where you're working with your hands. Very or, true. Um, I think there's a lot of different options out there for the kids who don't want to do two or four years of school as well. Absolutely. So... so you get into real estate and you start working and um, was there ever a point where it's the market was like, this is just like typical, yep, this is how it is. Or when you started, was it like into the point where this is like not real common, this is like a, a strange market right now, this isn't really typical? Like, right. how was the state of like real estate when you got into it? Sure, so kind of a weird time to start, um, you know, it was a very heavy seller's market. Okay. Um, everything was very fast paced. You know, it was everything that was on the market was selling and if they wanted to, they could sell it in two hours. Wow. You know, so it was a really hard time for newer agents to really get their bearings and know what they're dealing with. Yeah. You know, cause you had these buyers who wanted to go look at something and they couldn't see it. Say they texted you on a Monday. They couldn't see it till Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It was really hard to tell them, okay, yeah, I know you're, you don't have a time to go look at it before but it's going to be sold here in the next 24 hours if we don't look at it. So it was really fast paced, you know, um, which looking back on it was awesome because now that things have kind of slowed down, it's like, okay, what's going on now, you know? Yeah. But at the time, and it was, but that was regular for me. Okay. You know, because yeah. when I first started in our development classes and everything, we were talking about how to manage a transaction in this type of market. Um, so I just kind of thought that was normal. Well, then I got to work with Jason and he goes, man, such a tough time to start, you know? And I'm just like, what do you mean? You know, this is, this is normal, isn't it? Yeah, what do you mean? Not normal, not normal at all. So um, that was kind of interesting from that perspective. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that that was around the time when um, my parents recently bought a house probably like a year and a half ago. So sure. um, what they told me is that um, they heard about some house like one day that I think my, my aunt 
told them that there was a, a house listing that they might be interested in. And so they scheduled like a, a showing for the next day. Ended up putting an offer in like that night that they first visited the house. Because you had to. Yeah. I mean, there was no, yeah. And it got accepted the next day. So it was like in a 24-hour turnaround that they didn't even know the house existed yeah. until like, yep, we know. All of a sudden we, they own a house. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's like, I couldn't even imagine like trying to make such a life decision in that short amount of time. Well, and think of it as a first-time homebuyer too. Oh, you yeah. Know, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big deal. You know, you're buying yeah. a house. So one of the biggest purchases people ever make is a house and for when sure. the markets like that it's it's fast paced yeah so absolutely so now that we're kind of on the other side um what are the kind of differences that you've seen from the point that you entered um at being in real estate versus um the buying the the, the state of buying a house now like how how is that so different and kind of explain um how you've learned through both of those situations i guess sure so i think a big a big thing is interest rates, obviously. Yeah. Um, at the time, interest rates, you know, we had people getting locked into 30-year mortgages at 2.8%. Um, so mortgages going up definitely slowed things, or interest rates going up, rather, definitely slowed things down. Yeah. Um, but I also think it was just more of time of year as well. You know, this time of year always kind of tends to slow down just a little bit. Um, but definitely interest rates is probably the big factor in that I would yeah say. absolutely so. um so there's this i've been watching youtube videos um some of the guys i follow on youtube do like uh stocks and crypto and stuff but there's always a, a little real estate kind of um that they throw in every now and then sure i've been hearing about um this real estate situation in china i don't know if you're familiar with it but like they're they're giving out like mortgages and they're like lending money that they don't even have yet sure and so they're having to like promise people one thing and then kind of like grab from a different place to to give to these people and it's just like creating a ripple effect and I'm hearing that like if this keeps happening it could all come crashing down in China I'm wondering if you're have you heard anything about so that So I really haven't heard a whole lot okay. about that situation but that sounds a lot kind of like the 2008 That's right. crisis That's that right. we went through yeah. obviously at that time I was only 8 years old so I didn't know a whole mo- whole lot about it Yeah. Um, but kind of doing research on you know it's kind of interesting to see history of the market and things like that that's just right. ebbs and flows um, but no, that's very interesting that China's doing that. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a YouTuber named Graham Stephan. I haven't. Okay, no. yeah. Well, he's he's a huge real estate guy, and okay. I, I always kind of go into my own little rabbit hole on YouTube sure. and find these different channels. But... Yeah, YouTube ha- tends to do that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, especially during COVID. And, right. And you can find yourself in a whole different section I know. that you never All of a sudden, you're on your phone for three hours. <laughs> what? Why does this... <laughs> Wait a minute. How right. did this all start again? Right. Um... So obviously, big into real estate. Um, have you have you done much in stocks or in, like finance investing in that? Or are you mostly just real estate? So I'm. I really put all my eggs in the real estate basket right, right now. Um, I, you know, I need to get more familiar with the stocks and cryptocurrencies and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never been huge into that, but I know a lot of people who have a lot of success with it. Yeah. True. And obviously, now is the time to start investing in some of those things Very when things true. are low. That's um, right. But it's. It's difficult, you know, it's a slippery slope because I see a lot of people investing in real estate in my business and obviously around me in the office and, um, you know, real estate just gives a constant return. That's true. You know, yeah. um, that maybe, and it kind of depends, but that maybe the stock market can't do. Um, so I, I guess I need to be more diversified and kind of move things into other places, but for right now, I'm mostly real estate. Okay. Yeah. yeah I understand for sure. Um, 
So earlier you mentioned you have um, the property that you got first and then you moved to a different property. Right. Um, I'm wondering like, do you do you ever like set out like a like a five year plan or a ten year plan and kind of be like, all right, I'm gonna try to uh, head this direction by by a certain point, I'll ha- I'll have done all these things, or do you just kind of like take it as you see it? Well, and it's it's so crazy because like when I first was looking to buy a property, I was looking for houses. You know, I never thought about buying a fourplex or doing anything like that. Okay. Um, but a lot of Family friends, or you know, they'd recommend like, well, why don't you buy a duplex or a fourplex, live in one side? Because at the time, you know, money was tight. I was 19 years old. I yeah. didn't have all the money in the world, um, and still don't, obviously. But <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because my goal was never to be a big real estate investor, I guess. And then I bought the fourplex, and I saw, um, you know, kind of the financial freedom real estate can bring. That's right. Um, so I obviously living in one unit, my mortgage was paid for from the other three. So it was kind of cheap cheap way of living at the time and I was like you know what this could really work because real estate's <laughs> one of those business where some months you might not get a paycheck yeah you know, it's like any other sales job so it was nice to have that comfort of I don't need to pay my mortgage payment this month you know because that's being taken care of um, so that was big but in terms of goals you know my five-year goal at the time was just to buy another house yeah you know and then now a year later from setting that goal it's like okay well that's now what? You know? <laughs> exactly. So I think I kind of need to sit down and do a five to ten year plan. Okay. But I'd love to own as much real estate as humanly possible. Very so nice. I'm glad to hear it. That's kind of the goal, I guess. Yeah. And um, one thing that I've kind of gotten into is like the idea of passive income. So exactly. you, you got you got money coming in that you don't necessarily have to work for. Exactly. And so obviously real estate's a huge opportunity for that. Um, I've kind of taken more of like an investing approach with dividend stocks. So sure. yeah, you have these stocks that pay you dividends like once a quarter and then you reinvest them and you yeah. get the compound interest going. But Well, and really what you're talking about with dividends can be done in real estate too. Really? So REITs and things like that, you know, you can get a big 24 unit property and bring some investors together to get a preferred return of 8%, you know? Okay, yeah. um, so there's definitely different ways people who aren't in the real estate business every day that they can still invest in real estate and just be completely hands-off, yeah. you know? Then we call that mailbox money in real estate. <laughs> um, but a lot, even Elon, or not Elon, but Jeff Bezos, okay. he started a company just recently um, that people, anybody can, you know, I think it's a $100 minimum investment. Um, and you can invest in Airbnb properties, you know, um, multifamily, single-family homes. Wow! Um, but it's kind of cool what he's doing right now with all the different ways to invest in real estate without actually having to get your hands dirty. That's right. Um, yeah. So I think there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways to invest in real estate and kind of get the dividends back every <laughs> month, things like that. Very so, true. But that's super interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you if you were to look now with this with the experience and the situations that you've already gone through and you you might have someone that's coming to you for advice about getting into real estate what kind of things that you've learned so far would you pass on to someone who's who's considering maybe a career in real estate sure well like doing the job shadow you know i talk to a lot of different realtors and i ask them like what do you wish you would have done that's right you know um how did you get into it or you know just those kind of questions and every the one common thing that i found with everyone i talked to is they said they wish that they would have done it sooner. Oh. So I think if you're thinking about getting into it, just do it. All right. You know, um, I'm happy to help you through the process. Um, but I think even with investors and realtors in general, the earlier you start, the better. 
uh, bigger sphere you can build, more people you can sell to, and past referrals, things like that are huge. Yeah, so, absolutely. As quick as you can get into it, I would highly recommend it. Awesome. And um, I feel like a big part of real estate is like the networking that you have to do. Absolutely. So, was that kind of like a big adjustment for you to like kind of put yourself out there and like go communicate and like meet new people? And, it is. Or was, did that, that come natural to you or you kind of had to work at that? I think that's something I've always kind of been good at is, okay. you know, talking to random people, if you will, or reconnecting <laughs> or rekindling flames from old yeah. high school friends and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think a real tough part is, is how much, you know, you talk to people that you knew in high school and you might've felt like you were different at that time. You know, I was a terrible student and didn't go to school, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. And now I'm this big real estate, like, oh yeah, I'm super motivated, yeah. you know? So that, that was a big change to kind of grow up you know, True. in a sense. Yeah. Um, but as far as networking, you know, I mean, it's got to come natural. Yeah. You know, the, the more people that you've talked to before and just staying connected with them is probably one of the biggest things. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well said. Well, I have one little, uh, joke throw in question that I give most of my people that come on. Sweet. And, um, so obviously we both went to Kennedy. Um, the, the question is, if we were to play hide-and-seek at Kennedy okay. throughout the whole building, we had the whole building to play hide-and-seek, where are you going to go to hide? What's oh, your hide-and-seek spot in Kennedy? Mm. <laughs> and if you need a minute to think, I can jump so, in. So, I was most familiar with the gym. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, do you remember in the gym they had those doors that were up higher? It was almost like a closet. Yeah, I think and I do. And up there, there was a ladder. You, okay. Where we kept the balls and the jerseys and everything. Yeah, if up you, top. If you go in the bottom, there's a ladder to the yes, top. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. How cool of a spot would that be? <laughs> no one's ever looking up there. Dude, you could just barricade yourself yeah. back there. Yeah, just... I know it. Well, you could you could throw things over you and whatnot. But oh, no one's ever, dude. You'd probably be up there for days. Absolutely. That's a great spot. That is incredible. Where would you hide, I guess? I think <clears throat> if I had the time to set it up, one thing I would consider is going up into the press box in the gym sure. and then um, hit like somehow get the controls to the bleachers and push them all in so no one could come up and look in there. Oh. So you're just up there with the bleachers in. That, maybe someone could climb it. If that's they're, a if they're, move, Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. one spot. I could probably think of some other ones if I had more time. But right. Yeah. That's just a little throw in question we love to have. So good deal. Um, if you want to give your little shout out, um, where can people find you? Social medias or yeah. uh, anything you want to point out, go yeah. ahead. This well, is I work time. with the Vest Weber team at Skogman Realty. You can find us at liveinourtown.com. Uh, my Instagram is just Grant Griffin Realtor on Instagram. And then Facebook page, just Grant Griffin Realtor at Skogman Realty. Um, but you know you can hop on google and type in grant griffin All right. Realtor and something will pop up i hope you can type in <laughs> grant griffin bleacher report too if you want to. if, if you're bored if you're bored <laughs> i don't know if it, i don't know if the tweet actually had your name in it but no I, they didn't give me any credit uh, for that jeez i know it come on but yeah that, that was a great conversation though i thank you so much for yeah no for i appreciate you having me and, on uh, yes. it's awesome very, very well uh, spoken and uh, wish you all the success in the future. Yeah, so. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. There you have it. We're very thankful to have Grant come on and share his story and uh, unlock some great memories in today's episode. There's some things that I uh, definitely didn't remember, and that's part of the reason I enjoy doing these podcasts. You bring up some of the old memories that you had uh, known and you've loved the most, and then the other person will have their own version of it, and you kind of uh, piece it all together. So 
Very enjoyable as always. But it's time to head over and see what is cooking in each of the categories. What's cooking in sports? Starting off with college football. Iowa versus Michigan. Great atmosphere. Uh, we had the Fox Big Noon kickoff, which I'm very confused why Noon is part of the name because the game was at 11 and the, the Big Noon kickoff event was before 11. So I don't really know what they're trying to do with Noon. But uh, anyways, we had them come to Iowa City. Big E was there repping the Hawks. Love to see that. I was there last year when Fox Big Noon came uh, right in the middle of the Pentecrest, and I got to saw the I got to see that, but wasn't there this time. Um, I heard it was pretty cool, and uh, I obviously I can believe that because similar to last year, um, great atmosphere. So pretty hyped up. Unfortunately, we didn't get the night game though. That was a, a head scratcher for me. This is a textbook opportunity for. Uh, the schedulers to give us the night game against a ranked opponent at Kinnick so we can do what we do best. But uh, we got dealt the 11 a.m. card, and we just have to face the facts and play through it and see how well we can do. Turns out uh, Michigan was too much for us to handle. They jumped out to, I believe it was a 20 to nothing lead early on took control right off the bat. They had a really nice opening drive, uh, long drive, only had one third down, really just marched down the field. They were pretty much doing anything they wanted to, scored, and never really looked back from there. But uh, if you look at the stats from this game, you might have the argument that this might be the best statistical game Petrus has played for Iowa this year. Uh, he did have a touchdown pass late. He had over 200 yards passing, uh, no interceptions, no turnovers by either team, really. That was interesting. But uh, it wasn't enough for the Hawks. It was too little, too late. And we're not exactly super pissed off at this because we kind of know how great Michigan is. And if you were a fan last year, you got to see Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. And we're pretty familiar with what they're able to do at their best. So um, considering the circumstances, not the end of the world, but uh, obviously we would have liked the win. Other Big Ten news, Illinois goes into Camp Randall and handles Wisconsin. They absolutely destroyed them, guys. So much so that their head coach of Wisconsin, Paul Christ, was fired. Whew! <laughs> he had been there for quite a while. He had a machine going at Wisconsin. The offensive lines, the running backs, the the consistency that they had going there under his tutelage was very impressive. And uh, finally, there was a, a breaking point, and this was the last straw. Illinois comes to town, and they, they hand you the big L, and um, sounds like the coach is packing his bags so that's tough uh wisconsin fans you're going to be in moving into a new era mid-season and best of luck to you but uh the hawks are going to have to the hawks are going to have to go to champaign now next week and take on the fighting illini after they just retired their coach so that's going to be a little scary i don't uh think kirk 
is going to be on the hot seat at all if win, lose, or draw in this game, but uh, something to think about, you know. Illinois is not to be messed with. They have a really good running back. They have uh, a much improved team from recent years. I, I think I remember a few years back we beat Illinois like 63 to nothing. So uh, it's going to be a little bit different this time, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good matchup. Georgia, number one Georgia, escapes in a close one against Missouri. This was a, a nail-biter the whole way. Missouri led early. They led in the middle, and they led towards the end until Georgia finally comes back. About four minutes to go, they take the lead, and they hold off the Tigers to escape with a win. I believe they were moved down after this to the number two spot, and Alabama regained number one. So Georgia proving that uh, they can be beaten, you know. They're not invincible by any means. We saw that with Alabama, too, when they took on Texas. So these uh, these teams at the top, you never know. On any given night, uh, you might have the right recipe to take down one of the big boys. But they remain unbeaten at this time, and we'll just have to keep watching and hoping that somebody can take them down. NFL. Chargers taking on the Texans this week. Uh Coming off of a very disappointing last week, I expected the Chargers to be kind of pissed off heading into this one. Texans are the only team in the NFL without a win now, and this is a chance for us to kind of get a frustration game going, get a little dominating performance off our chest here. That's what it was in the first half. We were up 27-7. to I really liked what I saw first half. We were moving the ball. We were playing defense. We were limiting mistakes. We were taking advantage of opportunities. My friend Zach, who is also a Chargers fan, I text him at halftime. We're up 27-7. I say, I love what I'm seeing, but we do not need to change the game plan and start running the ball too much or doing any conservative stuff. We got to keep our foot on the gas. We got to keep this train rolling. Same thing. We got to keep the aggressiveness up because we know that something's... They're going to make some adjustments at halftime. Lovey Smith and the boys, they're going to come out and try to throw something new at us. So be ready for that. We want to keep this same momentum going, 27-7. Let's keep it rolling, boys. That's what I told my friend. What do we do? We come out of half, and we give up 17 unanswered points to the Texans. Suddenly, the lead has gone from 27-7 to 27-24. They pull within three points. Good old Chargers third quarter, baby. Oh, 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 man, I've seen that movie a time or two before. Very frustrating. We uh, we seem to come out of halftime slow and then try to put all the pieces together in the fourth quarter. But thankfully, we were able to hold on. Austin Eckler with a huge day, three touchdowns. Chargers get the win. It was ugly in the third quarter. It looked nice in the first half. These are games that we need to be winning by multiple possessions, which we did, but I think it should be further of a gap than 34-24. I think we have the ability to beat the Texans by a lot more, but we struggle to put those teams away. So there you go. There's my Chargers uh, rant for the day. The Eagles fly, Eagles fly. They're still undefeated, 4-0. and 
They fell behind early to the Jags, but they came back to win. Uh, the Eagles' defense forced four fumbles, all of them on Trevor Lawrence, and they picked him off once. So Lawrence had five turnovers. Uh, I just traded him away in fantasy for Justin Herbert in return. So, so far, so good on my end of the trade deal there. Um, I gave away Herbert, or no, excuse me, I gave away Lawrence and Antonio Gibson for Herbert in return since I had uh, a couple other running backs. So I, I was able to give away Gibson. Much needed. I need Herbert running my team if I'm going to have any chance at this. So, um, so far, so good on that trade. And uh, going to be watching the Eagles go forward. Maybe they can turn this into a deep playoff run. We'll have to see. NBA preseason. The Phoenix Suns are playing against an Australian team from the NBL. Not the NBA, the NBL. They're playing the Adelaide 36ers. And they lost. They lost, guys. The 36ers. They come in and they beat the Suns. Are you serious? Devin Booker was playing. DeAndre Ayton was playing. Chris Paul was playing. No excuses from the Suns. They just got straight up beat by the Australian NBL team. My goodness, guys. And this is this comes after, um, if you remember back to last season, my favorite NBA team, Dallas Mavericks, baby. We beat the Suns in Game 7, and it wasn't even close. We absolutely blew the doors off them. The team came out with a formal apology issued to the fans that they needed to reflect and improve after that loss to the Mavs. Uh, people on social media were memeing and roasting them. They were saying they need to get the apology ready. They need to get the pen and paper going because uh, they owe the Suns organization uh, another apology after losing to an Australian team. <laughs> oh, man. You got Devin Booker posting on Instagram uh, a screenshot of LeBron when he was giving some response to the critics. You don't want to see your players taken to social media after a tough loss. Um, in my opinion, those problems should be handled internally, offline. Um, that's just the way that I would view it. But today's age, you're going to have the Devin Bookers of the world who try to defend themselves. The Kevin Durants of the world are going to go on Twitter and respond to every little thing. And uh, that's that's how it is sometimes. That's how it is. So... That's the age we're in, and those people will continue to do that. But if it was me, I would stay off of social media. I'd take the Justin Herbert approach, don't have a Twitter, and only use Instagram for promotional purposes. I think he's got it figured out. But uh, who knows, man? Who knows? What's cooking in finance? The S&P 500... We told you guys last week it was falling rapidly. It was on the decline. It hit a 2022 low. This week, so far, the S&P 500 making a comeback. Don't look now. Monday up 2.6%. Tuesday up 3%. Oh, baby. We're back? Question mark. Is October going to be nicer to us than September was in the markets? I hope so, man. I hope so. Um... This is uh, kind of unexpected, in my opinion. Maybe the new month is uh, wearing off on the investors. We're, we're flushing away the, the bad juju from September. We're going to go forward and we're going we're gonna to turn this puppy around. But who knows, man? 
the wise, the, the great Taylor Swift would, would say, are we out of the woods yet? Are we in the clear? You know, that's the kind of situation we're in. So shout out T-Swift, and we'll have to keep an eye on the S&P. Kim Kardashian has been fined by the SEC for not disclosing that she was getting paid to post an Instagram post that was promoting a crypto called Ethereum Max. Oh boy. <laughs> she was originally paid 250k to promote this coin, this Ethereum Max, which is probably not affiliated with Ethereum, that's probably just a knockoff trying to gain uh public attention. So she's paid 250k to post this. She does post it, but supposedly when you do these things you ha- you have to come out and disclose the exact amount that you're paid to do these promotions. She didn't disclose the exact amount in her post, so she's getting fined 1.26 million. Sheesh! That's a lot. That is tough. Uh, yeah, the SEC doesn't mess around. They want to make an example out of you. They're the government's getting into crypto, like we've been saying. So you got to uh, cover your traces. You got to make sure you're doing everything you can to. Uh, keep liability away from you and um kim k will learn from this hopefully and uh disclose the amount she's being paid so we can all learn a lesson from this even though we can't really relate to this because we don't have crypto companies coming out to us to pay us to promote things so just thought i would share that as a little interesting pop culture crypto crossover there in other news credit swiss which is a bank in Switzerland. Uh, They've been in the spotlight recently for not-so-good reasons. Um, Credit Suisse is having a string of losses, high-profile risk management failures, changes at the top of their leadership. They've drawn investor scrutiny of Switzerland's second-largest bank. So, yep, they're the second-largest bank in Switzerland. Credit Suisse had to raise capital, halt share buybacks, cut its dividend, and revamp management after losing more than $5 billion from the Archegos collapse, which happened in March of 2021, when it also had to suspend client funds linked to failed financier Greensill. That was a, oh, a spying scandal, which forced then-CEO Tidjane Thiam to quit in 2020, and Switzerland's financial regulator said Credit Suisse had misled it about the scale of its surveillance. A lot of big words in there. I don't understand every part of that story, but long story short, uh, they're having some turbulence. Um, I believe their stock was down, what was it, 55% year-to-date, something like that. So we also have Jim Cramer uh, chiming in, as he always does. I believe at first he said Credit Suisse is like a positive. Like he, he gave some sort of positive tweet for, for, at first. And now that this is all going down, he's been like, oh, Credit Suisse, not looking so hot. And so, you know, if you guys have listened to me in the finance section of What's Cooking Before, there's always the ongoing meme of the the inverse Jim Cramer uh, index. So every time Jim Cramer comes out and says something, chances are the opposite will start happening. So recently he's saying Credit Suisse not looking so hot. If you're following the inverse Jim Cramer index, you got to start uh, buying some Credit Suisse shares because that puppy's going upwards if if the trends follow. So 
we'll be keeping an eye on that as always. And uh, good old Jim Cramer, given his predictions, not working out so well for him recently. What's cooking in technology? Elon Musk came out today and declared that he's going to resume his agreement to purchase Twitter. Wow. Musk confidentially filed a letter in Delaware court earlier Tuesday seeking to proceed with a deal on its original terms. The about face comes just days before Musk was scheduled to be deposed by Twitter's lawyers in the company's lawsuit seeking to force the Tesla CEO to buy the company. So in this filing, Twitter posted uh, Musk's letter saying that uh, the social network and Musk's holding companies created to facilitate the merger. Um, so they intend to proceed to closing the transaction originally reached back on April 25th. Musk agreed to go through with the original deal as long as he received the financing he originally secured and as long as the court adjourns Twitter's case against him. So Twitter uh, didn't like the fact that Elon uh, withdrew his purchase because he w- wasn't receiving enough information about the bots that are on Twitter and the the, sp- the spam accounts and everything. So the Twitter was going to fire back with a lawsuit, and now Elon's just saying, all right, drop the lawsuit, I'll pay for it, and hopefully that'll avoid a long court situation. Um, not really sure what to think about Elon running Twitter. I, I really appreciate his sense of humor and his intelligence, but uh, who knows what kind of uh, changes he's going to implement. Hopefully... Um, things will be well kept and the bots will be under control and we will have, um, people be able to continue to express their freedom of speech and, uh, any, any untruthful tweets will be flagged or kind of dealt with in a appropriate manner. It's very tough to manage, um, at a global scale, all the, the posts and the news on everything on Twitter. So, uh, we just want to give everyone a fair chance to share what they're thinking and what they're tweeting, and that's a really tough position to be in to control all that. So hopefully Elon can get it figured out because that's very important. Speaking of Elon Musk, Tesla AI Day 2022 just went down. Tesla revealed their Optimus robot. It's a <laughs> it's a robot that can walk around. It was waving to the crowd during the speech. Um, there's a video showing that it can pick up a watering can and water plants in your building. So it's it's able to do a, a ton of like household tasks apparently and they're going to be going on sale maybe next year, I think. That's crazy, man. Elon out there building robots, doing always pushing the envelope, thinking of what's next and uh artificial intelligence, man, it's it's coming. It's here to stay. So Keep an eye out for Tesla leading the AI movement, and I think that they will be um, kind of in the forefront of future innovation for a long time here. We've noticed that some tech companies are unfortunately going on hiring freezes. Amazon just announced earlier today they're going to be going on a hiring freeze. Meta, Apple, Netflix, PayPal, Gemini, uh, I think Coinbase was involved as well. A lot of these big companies either slowing or completely halting hiring of new employees. That's tough. Um, people are 
always applying to these big name companies and always trying to uh, kind of earn their positions there. And for them to halt or decline hiring is going to affect a lot of people. So that's tough. But uh, it's it's all thanks to the market, man. The uh, interest rates, the stock market, the financial situation we're in. Budget is tight for a lot of people, and uh, they're just not able to bring on more people. So hopefully this uh, storm will blow over, and we will get back to the hiring process as usual. Hopefully 2023, who knows when the next bull market is, but I'm optimistic for the future just got to uh, get past the crud and get get going with the the recovery man so looking forward to it what's cooking in video games the overwatch 2 servers have been hit by a mass distributed denial of service aka a ddos attack on the game's launch day oh no boys on launch day you're getting a mass ddos <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, DDoS or dire- Distributed Denial of Service, it's the intentional paralyzing of a computer network by flooding it with data sent simultaneously from many individual computers. So people are working together to overload the network and that kind of causes connection issues and everything. And um, the Blizzard president, Mike Yabara came out and made a statement. He said, Unfortunately, we're experiencing a mass DDoS attack on our servers. Teams are working hard to mitigate and manage. This is causing a lot of drop and connection issues. This is never a good thing, especially on launch day. You want to have a strong impression when you release a video game. You want to bring in an audience right away and give them a positive experience early on because then they're likely to come back. They're likely to recommend it to their friends and really build um, a strong player base early is always a a great thing you can do for a video game. So to have these kind of issues on day one, oh, I feel bad for them. It's tough. Um, Usually DDoSs, from from my experience, and again, I'm I'm not an expert on this, but I feel like DDoS is usually like a a more of a concentrated... um, attack on like a person or a local network or something because I feel like uh back in the modern warfare 3 days of like when was that uh 2011 2012 maybe modern warfare 3 I was playing on Xbox 360 I think I got DDoS a time or two on there um Xbox live notification that you've been disconnected from the servers from somebody in my lobby I think happened but uh yeah, this is a mass DDoS, so they there must have been multiple people coordinating this and planning in advance, and that's tough. You got to uh, you got to up the cybersecurity. I think that's been a common theme in the video game and technology portion of what's cooking recently. Um, I'm always roasting the CRCSD for not having better cybersecurity, but time and time again, man, we're seeing examples of uh, people getting hacked, people getting intruded upon. So cybersecurity very important. Um, you'd rather pay the big bucks up front to prevent that rather than trying to do damage control on the other end and be unprepared. So October 28th, that's going to be a big day for video games. We have the releases of Bayonetta 3, Resident Evil Village, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. 
which is the the next edition of Call of Duty, the next game in the series. Let me just say, I'm not a fan at all of the naming conventions um, of recent Call of Duties. They're just basically going back to games that have already existed, like Modern Warfare. Like, that was a game back in, like, 2007. Modern Warfare 2, that was a game back in, like, 2008, 2009. So why why are you choosing to use names of games that already exist like is there not do you not have the creativity to come up with a different name are you running out of ideas are you trying to rekindle the flames of the past that you were once a a successful up-and-coming video game franchise you have to resort to the past is that what's going on i don't know but i'm confused and frustrated i don't play call of duty anymore um i think the last COD game worth playing, in my opinion, was Black Ops 3, which was 2015. Anything after that um, kind of started dropping off. They added additional health. They changed the mini-map system. They changed the lobby system. You're no longer voting on maps. You're no longer staying with lobbies for more than one game. I don't know, man. They're getting away from their roots, and certain elements of the game should be kept consistent. Certain elements should be changed. It seems like they can't really find the balance. They can't really find the recipe recently. Um, maybe you guys disagree. Maybe you think that Call of Duty is doing good these days. Who knows? Let me know if you disagree. I'd be happy to talk it over. But that's going to do it for me as far as what's cooking and as far as episode 11. Once again, I want to thank Grant for coming on. Uh, former Kennedy Cougar, former teammate of mine and several different basketball teams and we had a great conversation bringing back memories we love to do that if you guys want to come on for an episode of what's cooking let me know dm me on social media text me call me however you want to get a hold of me i'd be happy to have you on i'm looking to have new guests on every week uh, we want to post an episode every wednesday hopefully we can keep the what's cooking train rolling down the tracks the day i stop having fun with it is the day that I'll be done with it. There you go. What's underscore cooking on Instagram? What's underscore cooking on Twitter? I have a What's Cooking Facebook page if anyone uses Facebook still. I have a What's Cooking YouTube channel if anyone's interested in that. It's just a episode. It's all the episodes just vid- uploaded with no video. It's just a picture of the thumbnail. But uh, Multiple different ways to reach out to me. Make sure you guys are tuning in every week. Tell your friends, tell your family. We're trying to build something here. We're trying to bring on people and have great conversations. So far, so good. We're hoping it can continue. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to head out. Have a good one. See you.